Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that has enough rare wildcards on Arena, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Glade cover scout herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Hey, yeah, I'm doing rather well. So I've got some news. I've kind of turned mm-hmm. into a limited player. So oh. I don't know if you want me to do this budget magic cast stuff anymore. Because Strixhaven's really, really sweet and I can't get enough of the draft format. And that's all I've been doing like the last two <laughs> weeks. Um, it's nice. just so much fun. The, the reason why it's so much fun is because there's just a lot of depth to it. Um, it reminds me a lot of Ravnica Allegiance um, Limited. Where, yes, you had these colour pairings, so you had the guilds, like in mm. this case you have the schools, um, but there's two, you can play like different archetypes within those schools. So you can have like two different kind of Prismari decks, for example. So you can have like a tempo yeah. version, you can have like a control rampy teamer version as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really fun. And I had a really good play that you'll be proud of. So I cast an Electrolyze, and then I activated okay. Rufus Mercurial Artist ability and copied it and killed a load of Inkling tokens. Oh, nice. And they're all X ones, nice. and it was just like. Oh, yeah, pew, I approve. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> it was like, I figured you'd approve that. Um, yeah. Otherwise, earlier this week, uh, I received the insane care package from Wizards of the Coast and yours truly, and it was sprint with Strixhaven goodies. So I got collector boosters, mm. I got the Lawhold Legacy Precon Commander deck, and I got some sweet treats, which was nice as well. Um, mm. I must say, when I'm opening up those collector boosters, the, mis- the Japanese Mystical Archive cards really hit the spot. They're just something different, yeah. and they look really, really cool. I don't think I'll play with them because they're Japanese, and I like to read my cards, but I can appreciate like how good they look in person. Mm. Um, Outside of that, um, I've been safely going back to the gym again because the initial rush of everything reopening mm. up is over. Um, and it's just really nice to get some exercise and have an output to deal with all the pepped up stress from the lockdown. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, so how are you? How have you been? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. Uh, just to touch on what you were saying there about a care package from Wizards of the Coast, I got one as well. And yeah, it was fantastic. I got the Silver Quill Statement. Uh, pre-con which mm. is very nice i have to say it's super fun it's very political and can be a little pillow fortish um mm. which is not a typical play style for me at all but it was a really nice change of pace so i very much appreciated that um speaking of pre-cons my article this week is actually on upgrading the quantum quandrix pre-con on a budget so if you recently bought the pre-con or you're thinking <coughs> of getting one have a read on that it's over on card kingdom right now other than that i've been playing a lot of commander lately because I've just really been loving it. Like, I have my Niv-Mizzet Payroon deck that I said I was going to build. I finally have it put together. And I've tweaked my Talaran Sky Summoner deck to be as strong as I can currently make it. Mm-hmm. Without becoming CEDH. Both play very, very well. I'm close to being happy with their builds and everything. So that's very nice as well. Outside of Magic, though, I've been okay at best, I guess. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> If, if the audio sounds a little weird, dear listeners, it is because my PC's main hard drive died, so I'm actually recording this on a laptop, and I'm also editing this on a laptop with restricted access to the things that I normally have access to. Um, so that's also why there'll be no video episode on YouTube this week either. Um, so hopefully it'll be back up and running with uh, a brand new hard drive next week. But yeah, other than that, I've been incredibly frustrated with gaming. Because all of the games that I want to play now, like Hollow Knight and Hades, my classics, my go-tos, my loves, I can't run on my crappy laptop. It sucks. <laughs> I just want to play some damn games. Are you just waiting? Are you just sitting in front of the door, Scott Pilgrim style, waiting for your hard drive to pop through the door? Just waiting for the delivery to turn up? 
Yeah, I'm 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 refreshing the the tracking email like every thirty minutes, even though it's currently a Sunday. They're clearly not delivering Besides it right the now. Point, why is it not here yet on a Sunday? Yeah. So, moving on, Emma, have we got any housekeeping? Uh, we have a little bit of housekeeping. So, um, for our patrons, keep an eye out in your uh, Patreon dms messages because there'll be a little something from us as a little thank you just to say thanks for supporting the cast and you know for your continued support so just keep an eye out We've got a little treat coming lovely all right so i have a card of the week for us this week mm-hmm. and it's one that people might still have lying around in some uh, in some chaff boxes possibly and that is discovery dispersal mm. right? So, this is from the aforementioned Guilds of Ravnica, like you said. It is a Demir card. It's a split card, so it has two different modes on it. The discovery part is one and a hybrid blue-black for a sorcery, and it's Surveil 2, then draw a card. And Surveil 2 is like Scry 2, except instead of putting things on the bottom, you put it into the graveyard. And Dispersal is three blue-black for an instant that reads, Each opponent returns a non-land permanent they control with the highest mana value among permanents they control to its owner's hand, then discards a card. So this is like a non-targeted Dinrova Horror kind of effect, which is really, really powerful. So first of all, the discovery part, it's like Preordain. So it's great for setting up draws in the early game. It helps fill your graveyard a little bit. But bouncing the biggest thing on every opponent's board is fantastic. Forcing them to discard a card. If they have no cards in hand, you're forcing them to discard whatever you just bounced. Otherwise, you're just making them discard a card. So three cards being discarded for just one of yours is pretty good when it comes to attrition games. And it's also at instant speed. People forget that this part is instant speed. Just on your end step, I'm going to baby Cyclonic Rift, I guess. Mm. You know, like that seems that seems pretty good. I like yeah, that. Seems great. Powerful card. So it's twenty five cents. I mean, if you don't have it lying around in a pile somewhere already, like it's not gonna break the bike at all. So, mm. but moving on to the meat and bones of the episode, we are talking about Emma's pride and joy, <laughs> Emma's one true love. No, it is not cheese. It is bogles. Oh, cheese is up there. But yes, we're gonna talk a lot about <laughs> pants today. Yeah. So. To those that don't know what bogles are, they are one ones with hexproof. That's that's the technical definition, I believe. <laughs> yes. So, the the archetype it's an aggro archetype, and what you look to do is just put auras onto the namesake creatures, and your goal is just keep putting auras on them, equipping to the bogles, and turn sideways. Now, it is one of the easier strategies to play in modern. You know, it's one of those recommended beginner kind of options if you want to understand combat and mulliganing and, you know, all the, the more nuanced things within modern. Uh, it's a really good catch-all kind of strategy that can run pretty deep in an event if players are unprepared for it. It's one of those ones, kind of like Dredge. Like, it doesn't show up all the time, but when it does, it sometimes just has a real hot streak through a tournament. Yeah, so if someone, like, Bogles sometimes top hates GPs, and it's just because mm. someone's just rolled up with Bogles and just tears the field because people aren't prepared to deal with a 1-1 with Hexproof. Like, it, yeah. it's successful once in a while, but when it's successful, it runs pretty deep. Yeah. And it can be quite misunderstood as well. Like, it does have a very straightforward game plan, but it is critical to understand the metagame and how to play around hate cards, which we will explain a little bit further. Um, but it is quite customizable in terms of how you can present it to to play so Emma I believe you've got a couple of sample deck lists that you can show off here 
I do. So if you are a member of our Patreon, you will get access to these deck lists as well. Um, so I've got three deck lists at the moment. So with Bogles, you do have to put a little money into it just because the land base need, is very important to the deck. Um, mm. So you do need to run stuff like Razor Verge Thickets, for example, which are not cheap at the moment because they haven't been reprinted since Scars of Mirrodin, which is another conversation altogether. Um, so yeah, I've got yeah. two lists, one with Luris and one without. So the one without Luris is about $120. Um, you are running a slightly cheaper land base to accommodate as well. You're running a few more basics. And then you've got another one with Luris, which is about $150, which runs Luris, because you might as well, because it's essentially a free card. And the mana base mm -hmm. is reflected in that, so it's a little more. And thirdly, there is a pauper Bogles list, because as Bogles is built around really cheap auras that happen to be common, as is Slippery Bogle and Glaive Scout, which are also common, it's a really good strategy to play in, in pauper. And you can go into like three to four colors, and there's a, there's a list in the show notes as well. And that is about $70 if you want to just get some mileage out of your cards nice i hear as well emma you've got a pretty good modern bogles on a budget guide as well i do so back when i was a tcg player i did a budget guide on how to build bogles so it has a walkthrough you have a budget list and then you have a walkthrough and how to upgrade it to like the final iteration so the final iteration being like horizon canopies and fetch lines because that's where the most of the money lies Nice. And even though even though I wrote it like six months ago, a lot of it's still true. Uh, it's got it's got a guide how to build it towards Larissa as well. Sweet. So if you want access to any of those deck lists, they are up on our Patreon. Now moving on to the key cards in the deck. So every every deck has cards that it basically needs in order to function. So take us through a couple of those in Bogles, Emma. Yep, so we'll start with the namesake card. This is the reason why you play the strategy. Uh, Slippery Bogle and Glacover Scout. Uh, these are your 1-1 creatures with Hexproof. These are the backbone of the strategy. The strategy does not work without it. You always want to have one or two in your opening hand because you can't really do anything else without them. They lean so hard on these creatures. Mm. Going on to the auras. Uh, so you have Rancor, which is a really important one, which is a one-mana aura that gives your creature trample plus three plus O. Um, and it comes back into play once it hits the graveyard as well, which is really, really important because trample is very important in a strategy when you can make 20-20 slippery bogles because you want to push through that damage. You, yeah. you don't want your opponent chum blocking with like powers amalgams or blood gas for days. You need to get past that. Um, mm -hmm. And Daybreak Coronet is another really good one, which it just pretty much gives your bogle every keyword suit possible. It gives it like vigilance, it gives it lifelink, gives it plus three, plus three. Um, the only downside is you need to equip an aura before you can equip the Daybreak Coronet, but it's the lifelink is so important to the deck, and this is why it pushes mm. ahead against a lot of the aggressive strategies in the format. And thirdly, um, I admit it's not a budget card, but it's one that we should need to talk about, and that's Horizon Canopy. Um, since mm. you unload your hand so early on, finding action throughout the game can be quite difficult, and this is where Horizon Canopy comes in. Um, you can, it just allows you to draw more threats, it allows you to draw that little bit of removal that you might have. Um, and as you're an aggressive strategy, you only need like three lands tops, you know, to do mm. everything. So you can aggressively crack these early on and just keep the action going. They're really important. Sweet. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Tiny creatures, make them big. Yeah. So with that said there are some cards to be very aware of and i had i gotta be honest it's not like me at all but i had a very short stint with bogles for a while mm -hmm. and the card i always feared the most which rings true to all of the strategies that i play to this day thoughts yeah. yeah god yeah 
Turn one thought seeds and like turn one Inquisition of Kozalek is essentially a thought seeds against you as well mm -hmm. because all your cards are three mana or less or two mana or less in this case. Um, yep. So yeah, your hand is very soft to discard because Mulligan is quite a difficult part of the deck, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so you don't want to be like on the draw and then someone go thought seeds. You take that one bogle and you just like, oh gee, guess I'm not doing much. And guess I have to get the Stride Arbor out, which they're gonna ha they're gonna deal with because they're you know a discard mid range yep. strategy. Um, so something like running like Leyline of the Sanctity main board can bluff this, but that is mm. very metagame dependent. But yeah, if you're going in blind, it can suck a bit. I'll be honest, it's not it's not a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not great feelings, Blood Moon effects. Oh god. Yeah, they're horrific. So usually in, in like an optimized burgers list, you run one planes of one forest. Sometimes you run mm. two planes and one forest, but mostly you just run one of each to respect Blood Moon. Um, so if someone like cheeses out a Blood Moon turn two, it sucks. Like it's very very difficult because Bogles is a very man intensive strategy. You want that green mana for the Bogles, but then you want the two white mana on turn three to play a Daybreak Coronet. So it's very mana intensive and Blood Moon and to an extension Magalus Moon is just absolutely brutal. Um, mm. You can fetch up basics if you know to play around it, but again, if it's just like you know cheesing out a Blood Moon ahead of Kirby's, like yeah cool guess i'll take you with this one one like yeah. yeah now despite the fact that your creatures have hexproof there are some forms of removal that still perform pretty well uh the two that sort of stand out are things like engineered explosives and then also edict effects like liliana of the veil so yeah, yeah, watch out for these ones. <laughs> yeah, so stuff like Engineered Explosive and to extension Blast Zone as well, because Blast Zone comes in mm -hmm. with a counter on it. You need to be conservative on your Umbras, so your Umbra Aura, so your stuff like Hyena Umbra and your Spider Umbras, because when they're destroyed, it saves your Bogle. Um, mm. But yeah, just like, like you can normally prepare for the first one and you can kind of rebuild, but it's the second and the third that just puts you so behind. Um, you can run stuff like Heroic Intervention in your sideboard, but it's very, very reactive, and Bogles mm, is not yeah. very reactive strategy. You kind of want to kill people instead. Um, and as you say, with Linear of the Veil, you know, um, this is why we run Fetchlands and Dryad Arbor, just to protect our Bogle. Sometimes you might want to run a Cartouche of Solidarity because it makes a 1 1 token, which also gets around Lily. Mm. Um, also, beware stuff like Liliana's Triumph and Angrath Rampage because they are instant speed uh, sacrifice effects as well and they can really blow you out if you're not prepared for it. Yeah, 100%. Let's have a quick chat about some of the good matchups. And some of the good matchups are some decks that are very popular sometimes, you know, yes. and they're also ones that have a tendency to annoy people as well. <laughs> Yes. So the first one here is Burn. Uh, your Burn matchup is pretty much, uh, it's very similar to the Storm 8 rep matchup, which is just, you're very unlikely to lose it, um, especially if you're running Leyline on a Sanctity's main board. Because you because you have that built-in life game, thanks to Daybreak Coronet and to an extension Spirit Link, your Burn opponent's just going to struggle. And all their removal has to hit you because they can't target the Bogles because they have Hexproof. And yeah, it's just like a turn two, turn three, Daybreak Coronet, it's game over pretty much. They struggle to deal with it in game one, especially. Um, they'll bring in like remove like wear tears or even now rip apart is probably the more recent one from Strixhaven. Um, but yeah, like the fact that you've just got so much life gain, it's it's an easy one. I found. <laughs> I don't think I've ever lost a burn matchup yet. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, Mill can be a pretty solid matchup. Again, it's another one of those ones where Leyline of Sanctity and just pressure 
yeah. he's like you can't do anything also get wrecked please yeah um, you have to be careful of stuff like Ruin Crab and Maddening Cacophony because they don't target so they do get around mm. Leyline's Sanctity but it's still a really good matchup um, especially if you run something like Wheel and Sun and Moon in your sideboard which is great by the way um, mm. you know what Wheel of Sun and Moon does it's an enchantment aura but you enchant the player and whenever mm. a card goes into the graveyard you, shut, you put it on the bottom of your library mm-hmm it's a really, yeah. really good one. I've got someone with a mill player with that once. Also, fun fact, I enchanted my dredge player with it once as well. <laughs> that yeah, was that's, fun. that's gross. Um, <laughs> speak, speaking of dredge, actually, that's another good matchup, isn't it? Yeah, that's really, really good. Uh, similar to Burn, the life game will just make this awkward for dredge. Granted, dredge can be very aggressive, um, mm. but the Daybreak Coronet is just shine here. Um, and if you're running Leyline's mainboard, the Confagorate just is dead like they can't target anything and unless they want to target a core spirit dancer but that doesn't feel great a lot of the time anyway um and then your game twos and game threes are better because you could bring in those resting pieces you could bring in those soul guide lanterns just to maintain that graveyard Mm. as well yeah and then one of the final good matchups is you love to see it it's jund (laughs) to be to be fair everyone has a good matchup against jund right it's just the way it is isn't it um it's admittedly jund is not popular these days you either have red black or you lean Mm. into more death shadow but however traditional jund is a really good matchup for you because they have loads of one form removal and it can't target any of your bogles and also your threats can go bigger so they have these tamagoids but you just have like a seven seven with trample and lifelink that's going to eat tamagoids for days um all you need to do as we mentioned earlier just play around liliana the veil and you're good to go yeah so there's some of the good matchups we have to look at the other side of the coin and yeah. as much as this might instill some ptsd in emma here we need to talk about some of these so amulet titan i didn't initially think this would be that bad of a matchup it's it's not great so all you need to hope for against the amulet titan matchup is that you're aggressive enough and if your opponent is a good amulet titan player which they probably will be because amulet titans are very difficult deck to play you know it, mm-hmm. you know you have to enjoy it and um, they'll be like yeah i'll just get my blast zone or get that ee out of my calm wish sword whatever um and then just pop it off and it's just it's brutal like you can as i said earlier you can beat the first one but the mm. second one the fact that they can recur it is just so backbreaking with stuff like you know because because blast zones are land as well so they can get that with a primeval titan it's just like yeah. yeah and then you just have nothing left and then they just beat you with titans it's a very rough matchup like you can win it if you just have the nuts aggression and they somehow stumble mm. but in most cases they don't if if an amulet titan player knows what they're doing which they do um it's a very very hard one yeah then i mean this one kind of explains itself <laughs> In fact, it, it's, it's kind of like Bogles, except they're twice as damaging, sort of. It's horrific. <laughs> this is like the worst matchup. Like, because you've got you're working on twenty life, and they're working on ten, and they have distortion strike, and you just can't beat that. Not to mention the fact that your lifelink doesn't do anything anymore. That, and also they run spell piercers, which you'd be happy to know. So if I was mm. to, you know, path to exile or manatize something, they have spell piercer because you're a low land count deck. That spell pierce is gonna resolve. It's really mm. annoying. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> fine, like yeah, yeah it's, it's not a good one. Don't recommend. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I first picked up Bogles to give it a try, I was kind of surprised to learn that Tron was a bad matchup because. You know, you, you always hear the stories of like, well, in order to be trying, you just need to be fast. Like, you mm. need to get them dead before they get you dead. And I thought, well, Bogles has got to do that, right? Surely. Mm. 
But not really, no. Egan the Spirit Dragon's a very good magic card. Mm. As is Blast Zone, yeah. because they run Blast Zone in there. Some, some Tron decks run like a one-off Blast Zone because you can get it off an Expedition map or a Sylvan Scry. Yeah. And again, it's not like it's not like a burn deck where you can just top deck the last three points of damage. You can top deck like a, an ethereal armor and got nothing to attach it to. Your car, your top decks are so much worse compared to burn. And yeah, mm-hmm. like you can you can get them down to like five life in like turn four. But then it's just like yeah, Ugin, clear the board. It's like a minus one as well, a minus two. So that Ugin's gonna stick mm-hmm. around, and then you just take over the game. It's it's not a close one. No. Then finally, blue white control. Talk to me about this one. I've never played this matchup at all. So if it's especially the Miracles variant, so stuff with like uh, JTMS, Terminus is a really good right. one against you. Um, it's just because of Force Negation. That card is very, very difficult to play around mm. when you've got to be aggressive. Um, it just yeah. becomes really rough. Um, and the fa- if they can sculpt their top deck into a Terminus, tuck all your auras and all your creatures down to the bottom of your library, it's pretty much game over. Like, you're not rebuilding from that. And whatever you do manage to play, they can just counter with whatever they have. It's, it's very, very difficult. It's very easy to fall behind, especially if they're like a, a, a Miracles build. Yeah, that's pretty fair, all right. Now, they were the bad matchups. So let's have a quick talk about some tips and tricks. So what we're going to do here is we've got a couple of tips and tricks. We're going to go through them now. And for our patrons, over on our show notes, which you'll receive every week when the episode goes live, we will have extra tips and tricks there as well. So if you're interested in that, you can jump on over to our Patreon as well. But let's get into this. So... Hit us with your top tip or trick here, Emma. So I learned this one the hard way, but it's a really good one to, to keep in mind. So if you're up against a strategy that has any like enchantment removal or permanent base removal, so we're talking of stuff like Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decay, maybe mm. a Wear and Tear, um, slow roll the Daybreak Coronet, whatever you do. And what I mean by that is instead of casting it after you cast your first aura, play it on the second one. So, for example, if you have like a Rancor and an Ethereal Armor, then mm. play the Daybreak Coronet. Because what your opponent can do, if you are if you have a Slippery Bogle that just has a Rancor on it, and you go, cast Daybreak Coronet, target in this Bogle. They could be like, in response, mm. um, I'm going to Abrupt Decay that Rancor. And then when, when Daybreak Coronet resolves, it attaches to the Bogle, but then it falls off because yeah. the replacement effect happens because there's no enchantment for it to equip to. And then you yeah. just two for one yourself and it's just not good. So if you anticipate like a rock strategy or anything that can just deal with Aura's uh, main board, mm. just slow roll it for a turn because your Daybreak Corners are so important, you want them to stick. Um, and sometimes it's better just to give it that bit of time. And I found out that the hard way is it's pretty <laughs> rough. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little tip here. Ooh. Yeah, now, like I said, I've I've got like like a level two sort of understanding as to the deck, you yeah. know? Like the way I the way I see Bogles, I was saying this before before we hit record with Emma here, is that the the level one of the deck is like, oh it's just a dum dum deck that turns sideways. <laughs> and then level two is like, oh it's a little more complex than that. There are certain lines and stuff to get to. And then like level three is like, ah, I'm starting to understand there's a great depth to it. And then finally, like the big huge galaxy brain moment is when you transcend all of that and then realize it's actually just a big dum dum deck that turns sideways. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it's kinda how it yeah. is. I'm kind of at like the level two where I'm like, I know a few like in depth tips and tricks and stuff. Mm. Like for example, 
you keep an uncracked fetch if you're playing the full fetch land mana base yeah. keep an uncracked fetch available whenever possible because particularly against like Jund opponents and stuff that might be running like Liliana of the Veil or mm. like an Angrath's Rampage or that kind of thing you can fetch and get a Dryad Arbor and sacrifice it instead of your Bogle to protect yeah. it that feels real galaxy brain when you learn the, about that the first time. It is real galaxy brain. I'm going to add on that little fact uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the late game as well, and someone's like, Raph, I've got the board, and you've lost all your bogles, you can also crack that face to get a dried arbor to start piling on auras on it to do the, like, the last few points of damage. It is like mm-hmm. your emergency creature, given the situation. It's a really powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So the next one, which is a really important one with Bogles, which might take you a little time to understand because it teaches you how to mulligan. And personally, I think mulliganing is one of the hardest things you can do in Magic after sideboarding. Mm-hmm. This deck does not mulligan well, so you, you are more inclined to keep your 7s and 6s because you're losing out on that aggression. Because you have about 12 creatures, you can't keep a hand without any creatures. So as a baseline, if you're keeping a 6 or a 7, you want a land, a hexproof creature, and an aura that you can cast on turn two. Mm. So any of the one mana ones. Um, if you're keeping a hand with five or less, then you want a land, a creature, or a fetchable land to get your Dryad Arbor, and then like some sort of totem or aura. So we're thinking Hyena Umbra and Spider mm. Umbra, just as a way to protect that Dryad Arbor, because you don't yeah. want to lose it. Um, Admittedly, mulligans have become a little easier thanks to the London mulligan, and I think Bogles and Tron were the two big strategies to kind of walk away from the London mulligan in po- in mm. a positive light. But if you're looking to pick up Bogles, it's just really, really good just to practice on your own. You don't have to play, just look at hands and just think, would I keep this? And then go down to six going, would I keep this? And it's just a really, really good habit just to get into knowing what to put away and stuff. Because those skills will transfer into other decks and other formats, mm. so it's quite, it's a good one to learn. Yeah, mulliganing is just so hard. It's, in my opinion, it is actually the hardest skill. I know you put it up there with sideboarding. I think it's slightly above sideboarding. Yeah. Because you can get a sideboard guide. It's very hard to get a mulligan guide, you know? Um, yeah, because it varies on strategy to strategy, right? It's, it's yeah. so broad. 100%. Um, now, the final little tip and trick that we have here. I might be reading it, but like myself and Emma are just taking turns reading them out. This is one from Emma that I actually completely overlooked. So, uh, Griff's Boon has an activated ability in the graveyard. Yeah, so it's four mana, so it's free and a white. You mm-hmm. can pay that ability to put Griff's Boon back in your hand, but you can only do it as a sorcery. And it's really, really good because Griff's Boon gives the creature flying. So if you mm-hmm. want to get some evasive in, or you want to chip in for like the last p- few points of damage, since you got that dried arbor out of your library from uh, Windswept Teeth, it's just a mm-hmm. really good thing to know because I've got so many people with that because they just haven't seen Griff's Boon before. <laughs> Um, and also it's, it's uncounterable like they can't counter it unless they have like a tail's end or something like that which is which is uncommon in modern um, but yeah it's a good one to know so Grisboon does have an activated ability in the graveyard yeah nice so yes if you want any more tips and tricks on this like we said you can get them on over in the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast mm-hmm. but that is it for our modern highlights episode on Bogles now Yes. Before we sign off, we obviously are going to have our Q&A. Emma, do you want to start us off? 
Yes, so we have a our weekly tweet from Evie the Mage 97. Uh, they say, with the set's official release, a lot of Strixhaven singles have tanked in price from their pre-orders. Um, that are Mr. Mm-hmm. Archive cards. Um, two of the best pickups are Prismari and Quandrix Command, which are both free mm. and fi- $3.50 each. Uh, Prismari Command being the $3 one, Quandrix being the $0.50 cents one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these seems really good pickups. I'd really like the commands. I think they'll be really good in standard once Eldraine rotates out, so I would mm-hmm. be tempted just to pick them up because once Eldraine goes, standard might be interesting again. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I will say I have played with Prismari Command in my Niv Mizzet Commander deck already, and mm. it has been fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've only drawn it once, but it has blown up an artifact, and it's looted me through the deck and triggered Niv three times to be able oh. to shoot down stuff. It, it was particularly nice in that deck, but what I'm saying is it is a very good card overall, and so far I have been proven absolutely right by how good this is. I need to pick, <laughs> so up, a law, I need to pick up a Lawhole command for my Lawhole Legacy deck, so I think that would be quite good, because mm. it's got like a spirit sub-theme, um, and just anthemming on the board seems quite nice, and drawing some cards in white, which is, you know, something we won't talk about. What's nice with that is that it sacrifices a permanent to draw yeah. two cards... Which then, if it's an artifact, Osgir can reanimate it as yeah. two copies. That's and then nice. if you have something like Reconstruct History as well, you can just bring it back. And it's just, it's oh. just, oh, the synergy is so good. I, I love Lorehold. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Lorehold is definitely getting me way more on board than Boros ever did. I think I associate yeah. more with Lorehold than I do Boros, because I identify Boros as the aggressive Ravnica S yeah. strategy, whereas I see Lawhold as more like a mid-range recursion, so almost deadly strategy, which I'm definitely all about. Mm-hmm. We have another question from Jeffrey David. Uh, they ask, "Is there a decent Mardi Young Pyromancer deck to be made with Legion Lightscribe, a bunch of lava darts, and any other cheap spells such as Plum the Forbidden?" Yeah, so I've seen Leona Lightscribe show up a good bit. It particularly in modern with the Boros Blitzy kind of decks alongside mm. Cavalumancer and Ground Rift and all that sort of mad shenanigans niv megas elemental as well yes yeah yeah um i never really thought about it in a pyromancer style kind of build but the more i think about it the more it kind of makes sense because you know you would play like young pyromancer you'll get a couple of tokens out of you know playing a couple of value spells or whichever and then leona lightscribe can act as your sort of finisher because it pumps all of your little attacking team yeah. every time you cast spells so it's a little more spell slinger oriented than traditional Mardu pyromancer was but that could be that could be interesting actually and plumber mm. forbidden again like i Hell don't think i can i can take that off my list of like potentially broken Sorry. cards like i talked a couple of weeks ago about having a brewer's notebook that's now in the brewer's notebook is like yeah keep an eye on this card anytime a new set comes out reference the set in relation to Plum the Forbidden well, and these well, other we, cards we mentioned it on episode 41 as well that you should just mm. pick up this card because it's going to do something stupid either in Modern yeah. Pioneer because that effect is not going to be cheaper than 2 mana I don't think at least not in a standard set like they mm. could do something in Modern Horizons perhaps but yeah it just, it just feels very powerful and I, I'm happy I picked up a set just to forget about yeah yeah, for sure. This is an interesting concept. I'm I'm kind of intrigued and would like to do some sort of build on this. Mm, At least same. a test build of some sort, yeah. Maybe maybe we should both brew a deck and do it for next week's episode. Each Ooh. of us. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm game. Bor- uh, the law hold mirror match. Sorry, not Bor- not Boris. Oh no, no, I mine's mine's gonna be Mardu. I can't I can't go I can't dedicate myself too hard to red and white just yet. 
I'd, I'd want to do Mardia. I can't want to do something with Sage Wish, but I think that's too slow. But I just really like the card. Well, I mean, if we're going to be doing some sort of, like, Pyromancer Mirror, I don't think Sedgemore Witch could be too slow. Yeah, that's true. Very true. <laughs> so we got we just got a tweet in from Barbarian's Riddle. Um, they just said they're going to pick up some cards and they just want to let us know what they're picking up for other people to pick up. So Sweet. the cards that they're 100% on picking up, like, a couple of play sets off is the Biblioplex, which is the fixed Library of Alexandra, basically, and mm-hmm. um, with a Bloom Command, which is one I talked about last week, which I'm a big, mm-hmm. big fan of. Um, Culling Ritual, which is one I forgot existed. So Culling yeah. Ritual is a it's a four mana sorcery. It's in two generic green and a black. Um, you destroy each non permanent with mana value two or less, and you add a green or a black for each permanent destroyed this way. It seems very good in Commander. As a, as a side note, it seems very powerful because you get you to ramp. You know what I will say is there's a very definite home for that in something like Green Black Rock or Jund in Modern, mm. specifically to absolutely dance on Luris decks. Yes. I know it's an extra amount of it, but it could replace Maelstrom Pulse. Easily. Like, if you've got a lot of Luris decks in your metagame, Mm. and you're aware of that you're going to be able to play this and have a good time and like the argument is like oh well you know it's going to hit your own one drops and two drops and it's like well if you know you're playing against the Luris deck from turn one which you will because they'll announce their companion you just don't play your one drops and two drops and then on turn four you play this and then with the mana you generated from it you drop your Tarmogoyf and then they're so far behind and you're making like a four five because you just destroyed a load of random stuff as well Um, yeah Another one that they suggest is Dramatic Finale, which is the the Silver Quill creature token ramp. Um, and whenever a non-code token creature dies, you make a 2-1, mm. which seems quite good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they also have a question. Mm-hmm. So they say, uh, it seems to be that a lot of people are upset with the price value from the cards of Strixhaven. But to me, that seems like an amazing opportunity to pick up cards for cheap once Eldraine yep. rotates in September. Are there any cards you feel like could fit this description that we that we dig? So mine are the commands. I've kind of answered this question already. I think the commands mm. are quite good. And also be tempted to pick up Sedgemore, which is, I think that's going to be very good once our drain rotates. Because there's no stomp for Bonecrusher Giant, because that will be gone. Mm. So rotation will be Throne of Eldrain, Thirst Beyond Death, Akoria, and Corset 21. And that just sounds fantastic. Like, I can't wait for September on a side note. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think I have anything specific from Strixhaven itself, but when I say I've, I've nothing specific, I've I've several things, but there are so many, but they're all kind of low value things now. Like for example, like the Leona Light Scribes, that kind of thing, or even even cards that people aren't one hundred percent on, like Secret Rendezvous. Mm. They're they're all just like fairly cheap cards, but they all have pretty unique effects. And there are no real other options for these that are available. You know, these are all fairly unique cards. No. They are pretty good. Like, there are a lot yes. of them that are pretty good. Like, for, for example, uh, Archmage Emeritus, which is the four yes. mana 2 2 wizard with Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery, draw a card. Like, that is currently coming in at roughly like one to one and a half dollars. Mm. That's going to go up. Like, that's a card that can definitely be played in commander from now until like the end of time as far as i'm concerned like that's a a silly silly card you know like there's so many in the likes of strixhaven and kaldheim and zendikar rising 
those three sets in particular have so many unique cards. The modal dual face cards, literally every single one of them, get your hands on every one of them that you can. They will see play from now until forever. They're just, they're bananas. They're so yeah. good. Like, even even commons from Strixhaven, like Resculpt, the one in a blue instant mm. exile artifact or creature and replace it with a 4-4 blue-red elemental. That's just reality shift, only better. Mm-hmm. Like... Sure, it's not super expensive, but like you might not have necessarily monetary value out of some of these cards, but you're yeah. going to get incredible gameplay value out of so much of this stuff. Like, I would not be surprised if in like two years' time there are a good five to ten cards from this standard era in every single commander deck. I would yeah. not be surprised at all. Another one that I would suggest is, is starting to creep up in price a little bit, and that's Galazet Prismari, which is the Prismari mm. Elder Dragon, which is starting to see a little bit of play in standard because it's really good because it's a four mana dragon that makes a treasure and you can protect it it's, it's, it's very much like i can see is it dragons being a thing with goldspan dragon perhaps more once rotation happens but that just seems really powerful might be one to keep an eye out for plus it, it lines up well with commander as well because it seems like is it prismari is turning into a treasures matters kind of color pairing as well with stuff like goldspan dragon um and commander legends it's also basically urza yeah it's, it's urza that flies like what more could you want <laughs> Yeah. It's like $13 at the moment, which might seem expensive for a budget outlook, but I can see that only going up because I think people are starting to clock on that this card's actually got constructed. You know, it's got legs and constructed as well. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I think I think this entire standard era is just packed to the brim with cards that we'll see play from now until forever. It kind of feels like almost like sort of Mirrodin block kind of feel like mm. nearly every deck you look at has like a couple Mirrodin cards in it somewhere you know yeah. that's how this standard era kind of feels as well I'm really that. excited to see rotation because I will play standard the second Eldraine leaves because yeah. that's my issue at the moment everyone's like oh what, what, what are you excited to see in Strixhaven uh, Eldraine cards Edgewall Keeper and Bonecrusher Giant because why would you mm-hmm. play anything else? It's kind of a shame really because I think Strixhaven is quite good albeit lower powered It's I think it's a very good set there's a lot yeah. going on, despite the, the essays of text. Yeah. Standard without Eldraine really feels like a fairy tale, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatics here, we have Alejandro... Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Philippe Delmott, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, The Pauper Guild, and Christopher McCarthy. At the songs here, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash budgetmagiccast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. 